Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. I want to read a scripture in Genesis, a scripture in Revelation. First and last book of each. Okay, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, or a waste and emptiness. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then what? The Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Here we find the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, present at the very beginning. Over the things that were not fully formed, and then he began to form things fully, to create. We find that there. And then go all the way to the end of Revelation, the last chapter at the very end. Verse 17, the Holy Spirit and the bride, which is the church, the believers, say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take and drink the water of life without cost. From the beginning to the end, you've got the Holy Spirit present. And in the middle, he desires, and it was the Father's plan for him to live inside of us. He has always been, he will always be, but the Holy Spirit is here. He is real. He is a person. He is not an aura. And he lives on the inside of us. So we're going to, over the next two weeks, Lord willing, dive into some about the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does, why he does things, how he does things, and just see what the Lord says. Uh, so that we, our minds are renewed and we are fully walking in what we're supposed to walk, have the relationship with him that we're supposed to have and get to have with him. I found myself uh, in 2007 standing in Africa in the country of Tanzania, beautiful country, Tanzania as they say, and we were with my team, we were two years into this water mission where we're providing clean drinking water for people. We're in this new area we've never been to before in Tanzania. Standing there, we've got a guy, a hydrogeologist, with his machine, and he's sending signals down the ground to find the water so that we can dig. Uh, and there are a bunch of African men surrounding this machine. There are women out working. And I'm standing there watching this, and this older gentleman walks toward me, and he sneers at me. I don't know how else to describe it. He just sneers at me. He's about this tall as he walks by me. An older man with gray. And you see, in Africa, at least there, if they're white-haired, they're very old because they don't get like, like me. A young guy like me with white hair, they're old. And he walks by me, sneers, goes over to the rest of the guys and starts saying things. All the guys turn and look at me and they're all laughing. And he starts to mock me. So I pulled the translator over, interpreter's name's Jackson. I said, Jackson, what's he saying? He said, he looks at the ground, uh, sir, he's making fun of you. 
And this boldness came on me, and I did something I've never done before and would not recommend necessarily, unless the Holy Spirit does this inside of you. And I said, Jackson, could you please go give him a message? I don't know who he was. I said, ask him. No, I said, first tell him he's very old and he will probably die soon. <laughs> and then ask him the question, does he know Jesus? Now that's very offensive perhaps to say something like that, but there is a reality to it. <laughs> so that boldness came over me. And I said then, Jackson said, are you sure? I said, yes. So he goes over, engages this man in conversation, says you're very old, you'll probably die soon. Do you know Jesus? And they start talking and walking toward me. And then it's the three of us, and it's through the interpreter, we have this conversation. I don't preach, anything like that. He's got, uh, he tells me several things. One, he's a witch doctor. He's in charge of the female circumcision, which would be better called female mutilation in the region. It's horrible. Um, and he's not heard of Jesus, but he served the gods of this world is the way it was translated to me all of his life. And um, as we just have a little bit of conversation, he says to me, and I'm skipping a lot of things here, but he says to me, if I'm going to change, you must come to my house. I said, okay. So we pile this little guy in our car and we drive to his house and it's this one room, it's dark, it's uh, smelly. It's Anyway, he's got this little mattress on the floor and this stuff hanging on the walls. And he says to me, what shall I do? What do you want me to do? Now, there's been, again, zero preaching. And I said, get everything related to your witchcraft and put it in the middle of the floor. So he starts pulling stuff off the walls. He starts grabbing oils and nasty potion-looking stuff and knives and all the stuff. He and he puts it in the middle of the floor, this pile of garbage. And I am thinking, this is way too easy. <laughs> way too easy. I've talked to people for hours, tried to convince them that Jesus is the Lord and to give up all their stuff. This guy's asking me, what shall I do? And I was a little, I was waiting for the other foot to drop, honestly. And then he piles on the floor. I'm not sure what to do next necessarily. And he looks at me, looks up at me and he says, and I was there with my friend Pat who shared last week for 10 minutes or so. He looks at me and he points and he says, you, you've been coming to me in my dreams. And he said, you take me and you put me underwater and you bring me back up again. Now, when he said that, clarity came to me. <laughs> that this has nothing to do with Matt. This is a moment that I have stumbled into that God is in the midst of doing something with this man. Right? And so... Jackson, the interpreter, then said, can I share the gospel with him? And I said, yes. So he goes in his language, you know, he talks to him, shares the gospel. I see this man listening. And then he falls to his knees. And we all fell to our knees. And he gets on his arm, on his hands like this, 
and he starts crying and repenting. We surround him, we pray for him. I said to Jackson, I said, where is their water? Because we hadn't provided any there yet. And he said, uh, closest water is in Kenya. We were in Tanzania. The border wasn't far away, but it was a couple miles. I said, well, we got to find water. Baptize this guy. So we pile in our vehicle. We drive across the border into Kenya. There's this little creek. Can they tell you, you know, in Africa, you shouldn't go in there with your bare feet into, because there's little worms and stuff that'll go into your pores and all that. I thought, I do not care. I'm getting wet with this man today. So we stand in the water right before this photo. There's not a photo of this. We're standing there and I explain what baptism is and what he saw in his dream. And he says, this is just like my dream. So we sat him down. See his toe sticking up? That's how shallow the water is. We sat him down. I forgot to tell him to close his mouth. And we baptized him like this. So all that water went right in there. He choked for a second, came up, spit it out, was fine. Stood up, praising God, like this, yeah. Turns out his name is Mawida. I wish you could have seen his face before in the, the mocking phase. I mean, eyes dark, full of hatred, mocking, but this was honestly, and I'm not exaggerating, I'm not prone to that anyway, but probably 20 to 25 minutes from the moment he was mocking me to that. I mean, it was super fast. And we got him, we get this wet Moita in our car, no towels. We get him in the car. I said, I mean, my mind is racing and my heart is pumping. And I said, Moita, I said, I got to ask you some questions. I said, um, how long have you been having this dream? I mean, about me dunking you. And he said, uh, many, many years. They don't keep track of time real well oftentimes. And he said, when I first joined the other men with the witchcraft, I have no idea. Now, he's probably close to 80, somewhere in there. My guess is that he started having a dream about me putting him underwater around the time I was born. Okay, I was 40 or so in that shot. Think about that for a second. Isn't that crazy? A full-grown me dunking him in water. So I said, Moita, when was the last time you had the dream? And he said, I had it last night. Had the same reoccurring dream over and over. When he first saw me, he didn't recognize me. But as we began to talk, he recognized. And that's why he said, do you want me to change? God set the whole thing up. The Holy Spirit convicted him of sin. The Holy Spirit gave me boldness to say something. And the Holy Spirit had set up this whole thing from before I was born for this very moment to bring this guy into the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. And I, I mean, we got, there's more to the story later on. We got to give him a new name. He was angry with us three days later because I hadn't renamed him. Anyway, all this stuff. It was, it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever been a part of. His new name is James. Yeah, which is, happens to be my grandfather's name, which is who he reminded me of when I first saw him, who got saved at the end of his life. Anyway, so God did all of that, and I am just bubbling over 
wanting to, just amazed at the Spirit of God who hovers over the waters. We were standing on ground over water that we were trying to reach when all of this takes place. The same Spirit who hovers over waters to form. The same Spirit at the end says, if you're thirsty, come to me and I will give you drink. Drink that lasts forever. Drink that lasts into eternity. You'll never die. Your spirit man will stay alive. The Holy Spirit is the real deal. He's the real deal. He is alive. He is here. He's always been. And he's the secret weapon, the surprise that the earth had no idea was coming. He's also the most defamed, mocked, talked about in horrible ways, um, cast aside in the church, not needed, looked at as someone who did things 2,000 years ago, but not today. Right? In fact, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given, which are incredible, right? From prophecy to words of knowledge to healing, all those things, there are teachings in the church that say those things are of the devil. What? This is what God planned for himself to come and to do all these things. And the teaching in many places is all those things are of the devil. That is, my goodness sakes, it's so sad. The reality is so different that he's here to help us. And this has been seen way before Jesus came on the earth. There was a few prophets who saw him coming. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, 29 says, It will come about after, these, after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams like Moeda, right? Your young men will see visions, even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26. Here's what he said and saw. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. He's prophesying about the new covenant believers, you and I. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. Did any of you ever have a hard heart? Yes, you were given a new one, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit, the same one that was there forming everything, I'll put my spirit inside of you. We don't fully, often, understand or believe that. And I'm talking about myself. There are many times I just get living life and forget, wait a minute. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is in me all the time. Wherever I go, whatever I do, he is here. He's inside of me. And will cause you to walk in my statutes. He is the helper that helps you walk. He's the one who helps us walk and live right. It's the Holy Spirit who does these things. And, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Ezekiel also saw in Ezekiel 47, one, a molt, excuse me, he saw the temple of God and water flowing out from underneath the threshold. Remember that? There's the temple of God, Ezekiel sees this, and water starts coming out, it goes ankle high, then it's knee high, then it's waist high, and then they're swimming in it. Right? That's Ezekiel sees this vision. 
Fast forward to Jesus in John chapter seven, verse 37. This is incredible. Jesus, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried aloud. Jesus cried aloud. We've got Jesus who is, most of the time you find him sharing in a you know, calm manner, reading the scriptures, speaking, sharing. Even I think when he was even casting out demons, I don't know if he was yelling. But I was saying, get out forever. Here, he cries out. You've got Jesus with a loud voice. The other place where I could find Jesus with a loud voice was at the tomb of Lazarus, right? Says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out of this tomb, been dead four days. Here, he cries out again. It says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Very similar to Revelation 22. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Verse 29 is the interpretation to what Jesus just said. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is saying here, if you believe in me, something is going to happen that's gonna change everything. And from the inside of you, rivers of living water will flow out of you. Back to Ezekiel, what did he say? He saw a temple. And the water starts flowing out from underneath the door. And it starts ankle deep and then knee deep. And it starts covering the whole earth and people are swimming. Jesus is basically prophesying the fulfillment of what Ezekiel saw. Because what are you and I called? First Corinthians chapter six. You are a temple of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Rivers of living water start leaking out. And other people will swim in it, basically. If it's the fulfillment of Ezekiel, it is. It's the Holy Spirit was meant to not just live in you, but to move through you. To bring life through you. In Jesus' vernacular, rivers of living water. Have you ever considered yourself the source of a river? The headwaters, you're the headwaters of a great river. It's the river of the Holy Spirit who does things that you can't do. But if we will believe and agree and trust, he will do the impossible. Just like me with Moita, I had no clue what was going on. I was not smart enough to figure any of that stuff out. I was just there to be there and to help, and then God did things that were way beyond me. John the Baptist, before Jesus ever begun to minister, John the Baptist was preparing the way, baptizing in water. Mark chapter one, verse six, says John was clothed with camel's hair, wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey. What an interesting guy. Right? Can you imagine seeing that dude? If you're religious, you just turn away from that guy. He's got nothing good to say. I'm not paying attention. What a wild, today, they'd be a wild Christian. And he was preaching and saying, after me, one is coming who is mightier than I. I'm not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. 
I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, who, is, who came to prepare the way of the Lord to announce him, here's what he says is the mission of Jesus, to baptize in the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus comes. He grows. He matures. He starts his ministry, and he's doing no baptizing in the Holy Spirit. He's not doing any of that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, doesn't, he hasn't come yet. He's healing, he's raising from the dead. John the Baptist is concerned. He's in prison, he sends a note to Jesus. says, are you the one they're waiting for or should we be looking for someone else? Because I prophesied and I know you're supposed to be baptizing the Holy Spirit and you're not. (laughs) So are you the one? I mean, this is true. And Jesus said, it's okay, tell John. A lot of good things are happening. Hang on. The Holy Spirit had not come to the earth yet, but the only way he would was for Jesus to be crucified and to rise from the dead and to go to heaven. And then, whew, that's when the Holy Spirit would come. That baptism timing is important. For many of you, my guess is you've had words over your life prophecies over your life, things in your heart that would happen, that you would do, that you would see, that you would experience, and they haven't happened yet. Timing. Don't give up. Just keep waiting. Keep pressing in. The Lord, if he gave that to you, he will do it. It may happen in a different way than you think, but he will do those things. John the Baptist, the greatest, as Jesus said, the greatest person born of a woman, He was doubting. He wasn't sure that he was hearing correctly because it wasn't happening like he thought. Jesus said, hang on, and it would happen. And then Jesus, right before he dies, before he goes to the cross, is what is called his farewell discourse. Just hours before he goes to the cross, he is speaking and preaching, and it's captured for us in John chapter 14 through 16. If you read those three chapters, in context, it's right before. It's his last. It's like, uh, if you know you're going to die, you gather everybody together and you tell them the important things. Here's what you need to know as I'm about to leave. That is what, when you read that in that light, you're going to see, goodness sakes, he is focused, and here's what he's focused on, explaining what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. He's not been talking about that much. But in these moments, he says, come on, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna, he said, it's, it's better that I go away because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. Let's read some of these verses. Chapter 14, verse 12, he starts it out with this. Truly, truly, I say to you, this had to be a shock. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And these guys have seen all of his stuff happen. They've seen all of the miracles. And he looks around, he says to them, what I've been doing, you will be able to do also. And he doesn't stop there. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. I go to the Father is code word for I'm sending the Holy Spirit to live inside of you to do these works. It's exactly what he means. And then John 14, verse 16, drop down a few verses. 
I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. He's saying, I'm a helper, yes. But there's another helper coming. Here's the best surprise. This is better than Christmas. I'm gonna give you a helper. Yes, I'm leaving, but it's gonna get even better for you. And he will be with you forever. I'm with you for 33 years, Jesus is saying. The one I'm sending, he will never leave you. He's gonna be with you forever. And that is the spirit of truth. There are many spirits in the world, many spirits in the world. There are lying spirits, there are deceiving spirits, there are accusing spirits, there are demonic spirits, but there is the spirit of truth. He's called the Holy Spirit. Jesus says here, the world cannot receive him. Do you know that? You can receive something as a believer and following Jesus that the world can never have. Of course, they can have him if they receive, if they receive Jesus. Then they can receive the Holy Spirit. But you get the Holy Spirit. It says, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him. Because he abides with you and will be in you. This in you thing, I could take a, I'd spin a whole another message right now. Because it is so huge. Throughout the scriptures, it's not God just with us, next to us. Jesus makes it so very clear with numerous passages as well as Paul that it's now God in you, not next door, not somewhere else that he's still accessible better than that. It's the Holy Spirit living in you. We'll talk more about that next week. But it's so important wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever time of day, the Holy Spirit is in you. When you look in the mirror, it should be a reminder, God's behind those eyes. He's living in me. Not that I'm God. He's God, but he's in me. He found a way to fit inside this package of Matt. He found a way to fit inside the package of you. Religion hates this kind of talk. I'm telling you right now, the devil and religion hate me saying what I just said. Because if the believers recognize and realize who they have, they will not act as though they are missing something. They will then carry the presence of God wherever they go. They will be like Jesus where they go. Their behavior will, be, will change because it's not just God might be watching. No, he's in me. I'm gonna live right. I'm not gonna look at that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna go this way instead. I'm gonna be looking for someone to touch and reach and speak to and help. The enemy wants you to completely, he's okay with you actually. The devil, I think, really is okay with you believing in God as long as you're here and he's there and there's a great gap in between. And you just be a good person, okay? Devil's perfectly fine with that. But when you believe what Jesus said, that the spirit of God has moved on the inside of you and you can do the works that Jesus did, that's a completely different game. And the enemy, that's why he stirred up. Man, I hate this thing. He stirred up in so many Christian churches speaking against the Holy Spirit, against the works of the Holy Spirit, against you doing anything other than just being a good citizen. I hate that thing. And the Lord hates it. He paid for more, right? He paid for more for us. And the enemy certainly, I think when Jesus said this right here, that John 12 and John 14, he will be in you. That was the first time the devil heard that. 
and I think he cussed. <laughs> I'm certain of it. He certainly did, because his, his whole effort and intention was to kill Jesus. Get rid of this guy. Get rid of this guy. Get rid of this representative of heaven. Let's kill him. And then Jesus shares this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go away, but the spirit of God who made everything is about to live on the inside of you. A hundred million Jesuses everywhere. Right? That's exactly what Jesus was saying. And the enemy hates that. That's why he's just concocted all these crazy deceptions about the Holy Spirit not being active today. Because he doesn't want you to believe what Jesus said. It's in red. Let me read you some more just so that you make sure you know this is true. John 14 again, verse 25, Jesus' farewell discourse. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, which he calls him repeatedly, by the way, you have a helper all the time. It's one of the best things about being a believer, I'm telling you, is you have the helper that helps in any and every time and in any and every situation, in the night and in the day, when no one else is around or everyone else forget, doesn't matter. You have the helper for you. I remember being underneath, I've shared the story, I was underneath a sink. I was at a, someone let me use their beach house one time and the sink broke, so I went out and bought a new uh, faucet and I was trying to replace it, but I didn't have the right tools. So I'm under there trying to get this nut off and I cannot, and I'm whacking my knuckles and it's just painful. I cannot get this thing. I'm trying for 20 minutes. I'm frustrated. I think I probably should go buy the right wrench. Anyway, I said this, you know, sometimes what I preach, I'm reminded of. It's like the Holy Spirit reminding me of the word, right? You read it and then all of a sudden this, well, I, re, I was reminded of, Matt, remember you preaching about the Holy Spirit and he's the helper? And I said, internally, yes. I said, would you help me? I need help. I'm underneath the sink. I reached up and it went whoop. And I started laughing. I started laughing uncontrollably under the sink. I just tried with my best effort for 20 minutes and I've got dinged up knuckles. I pray one prayer to ask the helper who's with me at all times to help, and he does. I mean, and that's just one small thing all of your life. You get the helper to help you make decisions, to help you live with power. Every time, I, I promise you, every time I come up here on the stage, I'm there in that seat, and I say, help, right before I walk up here, every time. Help me, fill me, and he does. He is the helper at all times. Back to this verse. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John 16, so you got 14, 15, and 16. Skip to John 16, and a 15 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. We're not even gonna talk about it today, about abiding in Jesus. Chapter 16, verse seven, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Man, those had to be strange words to hear from Jesus. You got guys who've given their whole lives to follow him and now he's disappearing. And he says, it's to your advantage. What? It doesn't make sense. There's no place for that to make sense. 
But Jesus says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'm gonna send him to you. They didn't fully understand what that meant. That's okay. Verse eight, same chapter. And he, when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the rule of this world has been judged. It's not about the Holy Spirit convicting us and judging us about our unrighteousness. It's the exact opposite. He's convicting of sin, but he's also convicting us going, you are not righteous in your own works. You're righteous in what Jesus has done, and you've got his robe of righteousness on you. The Holy Spirit reminds us of that. He reminds us, it says, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. He's not sent to convict you that you are judged. No, that the enemy's already been judged. Isn't that great? The enemy's been judged. You're alive. You're his righteousness. Walk around as a saint. Have confidence. Have boldness. John 16, verse 12, and I'm gonna zip through here. We're almost done. Verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So he's your guide. He's your helper and he's your guide. The Holy Spirit's been leading you ever since you received him. He guides you. You have this sense, no, I'm not supposed to do that. No, I'm not supposed to go there. And oftentimes, and I tell especially young people, how am I supposed to find out what I'm supposed to do? I said, well, I grew up driving this uh, 1956 International Harvester truck with no power steering. And that rascal is hard to drive. You have to muscle it if you're gonna turn that thing. But you get it moving and it gets easier. It gets easier to turn and navigate as you're moving. And as we move forward in what we feel that God is saying, he, the Holy Spirit, then turns the wheel. He guides us. But when you're just sitting still, waiting, 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 yes, there are times sometimes to wait, but it's not forever. But if we just wait, 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 it's hard for the Holy Spirit to navigate us. You find that with Paul in the scriptures. Paul says, he gets an idea. How about we go visit those guys over there? Okay, they take off. They didn't say, God spoke to me in the night. He just has this idea. Let's go visit the churches we planted. As he goes, the Holy Spirit starts going, whoop, I want you to go to Macedonia instead. That's how it works so many times. And I'm off topic. <laughs> but those things are important too. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You're not only supposed to recognize him, you're supposed to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You realize that? And our fellowship is with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Fellowship. That's not just obeying orders, though we want to do that. Paying attention to his guiding, his leading, his help, but it's fellowship. It's asking him questions. It's giving things to him. It's listening. It's a relationship with the Spirit of God. And then last couple of verses here. After the farewell discourse, 
Jesus spends chapters talking about the Holy Spirit when he hadn't been talking about him before much. He shares with them, here's what's gonna happen. Here's how he's gonna help you. Here's what's going to take place. He's gonna live inside of you. And then Jesus dies. And then he rises again for 40 days. He's on the earth again, still walking around with his disciples, with his new body, with his new body that walks through walls, still can eat fish, appears when they're not ready for him. That would be really fun. Wouldn't that be fun just to do that? I mean, your family's having dinner somewhere today in Pennsylvania, and you just, whoop, you just that's, that's what he does here. He, he started doing those things, and for 40 days, he's talking to them and teaching them after he's resurrected, and what is he teaching them about? What's gonna happen with the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter one, verse four, gathering them together. Again, this is after he rose from the dead. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He says, this is gonna be really good. If you just wait. Which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Something's gonna happen. There's a baptism. You've seen John the Baptist, that grasshopper-eating character, dunk people in water. Something's gonna happen to you that's different. It's a baptism, but it's of the Holy Spirit. You just wait for a few days and it's gonna happen. You don't even have to do anything. I'm gonna do it. Acts 1, verse six. So when they had come together, they were asking him saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? They still have this in their mind, that this is gonna happen right now in our time. I'm gonna be sitting on the throne with Jesus. He's already risen from the dead. This is what's next. And Jesus is redirecting their mindset. He's helping them think differently. He's saying, no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. This is about my spirit living inside of you to do the things that I have done. And he says this, it's not for you to know the times or epochs which the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth, you're about to receive power you've never had before. Power to witness, power to walk this walk in following me, which is what part of what the Holy Spirit gives us, and it's power of him helping us. Giving, and then all of his gifts, which we have in, in the Corinthians, Paul talks about all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So much of those have to do with power, moving through us, God doing things with us. But if we don't believe it, it's not gonna happen. That's why the enemy just tries so hard to keep us away from believing that, but we do believe. We do believe. It's kind of like, um, you know, my house is connected to city water. I'm so thankful. Got three toilets, three bathrooms, faucets, kitchen sink, hot water heater, and they all are connected to water. It's so great, I never think about it. It's just connected. But when the water's cut off, you, you recognize that. You recognize the importance of water when you don't have any. And all you've got is a dry home. Water is important. Oftentimes in the scriptures, water speaks of the spirit of God. 
You have a home without any water, it's just, uh, it's just a house. You get water flowing in your home, man, it, it changes a whole lot of things. You have a vehicle and you don't have fuel. That vehicle is just pretty and that's it. You need fuel in that tank to cause it to have power, to go, to do things. You have a computer or an iPad or whatever or a phone and you never charge it, it's just a dead weight. Chunk it away, it's like the other rocks outside, right? That's basically it. We are the same. The Holy Spirit is the power. He's the energy. He's the water. He's the Spirit of God that helps us to do the works of Jesus, to live like Jesus. I mean, you could wear yourself out fasting, trying to live like Jesus without the Holy Spirit, and it, you can't do it. But with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, all things are possible. Jesus said, even the things that I'm doing, you'll be able to do, and even greater than those things. Greater than those things. There'll be people, I mean, I haven't had it happen again since Moeda, but I'm still waiting. I want to see another person say, oh my goodness, I recognize you. I've been having all these dreams. I mean, that's amazing. There are people probably dreaming about you. You haven't met them yet. There's these intersections that the Holy Spirit has, but he's the one that does this as we believe. And so I wanna pray even now, we're gonna talk some more about this next week. In fact, we want to give opportunity, particularly next week, to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. It's for everybody. And if you haven't, oh boy, it's fun. It's fun and it's amazing. And you know what? It's not weird. It's how God designed things to happen. There are some weird people who have done some weird things. But weird is not who God is. God is love and he's power and he's light. And he has the fullness of, of himself to give us so that we can receive him. And I'm telling you what, life is really dry without the Holy Spirit. It's really dry without him. So let's, I wanna pray right now that we would fully believe and receive what Jesus has said. What Jesus has said, how he said it. And Lord, we just recognize even right now as we're reading and you, when you were here, prepared your disciples to receive, even prophesied it through John and through others, that the Holy Spirit would come and it would come not just for a select handful of people in an upper room, but as Peter said, for all who are far off. For us here in this room. And we thank you, Jesus, that you have made a way for us to be filled, for us to be used of you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the helper and the spirit of truth, for separating truth from lies on the inside of us. Thank you for recreating or creating things that need to be created on the inside of us. Body parts, ways of thinking that are your ways, truth that dispels every lie. Thank you for your comfort, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for doing everything that you did and then going to the Father and sending the one who had lived in heaven forever sending him to the earth to live inside of us. Thank you, God, that you found a way to fit the Holy Spirit inside of these bodies. And I pray right now for every single one of us 
that our minds would be renewed. Would you mind touching your mind right now? Touch your, touch your brain. And we ask right now, as we're touching our head, that you would renew our mind and cause our hearts to believe what you said is true. That the Spirit of God now lives inside of me. And I just speak right now to every mind to believe that very thing in Jesus' name. That there's no distance between us and God. That God has come and he's not leaving. He's with us forever, as Jesus said. And that he is inside of us to empower us to be witnesses, to share the gospel, to have boldness, to release the kingdom. And I pray, Lord, as you said, Jesus, that rivers of living water would come through us. So now touch your, your belly, if you don't mind. This speaks of your inner being, the place where the Spirit of God dwells. That from your innermost being, rivers of living water would flow. Let them flow out of these, these temples. We've got hundreds of temples in this place right here. Temples that were purchased by the blood of Jesus as sanctuaries for the Spirit of God. Would you move through us, Holy Spirit? Would your water flow in rivers through us, through our fingers, through our toes, through our words, through our tongue, through our eyes? Lord, may the hands in this place heal multitudes. May the words spoken through these here, sitting here today, bring encouragement and prophesy wholeness and healing and, and um, um, there's a word I'm looking for. May your spirit do in us what you did and greater, as you said, Lord. Restore, there's the word, restore those that are broken, those that need repair. Holy Spirit, through us, we allow, we yield to you. And we thank you that you are the least weird thing in the universe. You're the most wonderful thing, the very gift, the surprise, the great surprise from heaven that Jesus sent to be with us forever. Thank you that you're in me right now. Thank you that you're in us right now. Let your rivers flow. And I pray that throughout this week, we would never have a mindset that we're separate from you, that we'd have the mindset he's in me. Every time we look in a mirror, Lord, I pray for the reminder of this moment right here. He's in me. He is in me. And Lord, may you have your way on the inside of this home. Have your way on the inside. We love you. We appreciate you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.